I think one of my love languages is spoken word poetry. <laughs> May you just bow your heads really quickly and pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I'm always really honored to speak um, before you. Um, and I'm especially honored to speak during Love Rev Week. The theme of this month's Love Rev Week is or this year's, is belonging and becoming. The need to belong and form attachments is a universal human need among all people. Recently, neuroscientists have even discovered that things actually happen in the brain that indicates that people experience pain when they do not feel a sense of belonging. This morning, I have been tasked with responding to the question, what does it mean to belong to self? And as I've been reflecting on the question, I've realized that belonging to God and belonging to community is sometimes easier for me to live into. It's easier for me to define and conceptualize. But to belong to oneself? What does that actually mean? Quite frankly, in the church, we talk more about dying to self than belonging to self. We talk more about care of others than self-care. And what it has done is made us undervalue the importance of belonging to self. Well, while the church may not be having the conversation, it certainly is a popular conversation in the rest of society. In fact, one could argue that from ancient times, the Greek maxim, know thyself, has sought to capture the importance of belonging to self. I don't know how many of you have fallen prey to the Brene Brown craze. Have any of you read her books, Brene Brown? She has written numerous books that speaks about vulnerability, courage, and belonging. One of her books, Braving the Wilderness, The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone, talks about this idea of belonging. In it, she writes, true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires, it requires you to be who you are. In another quote, Brene Brown says, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging 
can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Now, as a person who has often been a people pleaser, I really resonate with this definition. The need to own one's own voice and perspective, the courage to be who one is. When I was preparing for this, I was thinking about a friendship I've had. Have you ever had a friendship where you had to like walk on eggshells just so you won't offend that person? Where you give more than they give to you? And then at the moment you finally want to come into yourself, the moment you finally want to voice your opinion, and when you finally assert yourself, the friendship erupts and dissipates just because you have chosen to belong to yourself when for the duration of the friendship you have been belonging to them at the expense of belonging to the self. And so what I love about Brene Brown's definition is I think she challenges our tendency to center belonging on other people. Our way of belonging is often based on us conforming to the expectations and standards of the world around us, the family we love, the friends we care about, the role models we esteem, the colleagues we respect, the church we connect with, and then we surrender our own unique responsibility to be world changers, to be trendsetters, because we have conformed to the image and expectations of others without truly understanding how God has set us apart for a unique calling within a larger plan. So yes, I do think Brene Brown has some things right in her rendering of belonging. However, in light of this topic, belonging to the self, I wanna look at the story of Esther. And I wanna reframe, perhaps build on, perhaps reclaim a Christian understanding of belonging to the self. Now Esther is one of those books in the Bible that is extra juicy. It has all the elements of a great plot. And lately I've been spending a lot of time with Esther because we are studying it in my life group. And I have to be honest, my perception of Esther has changed throughout the years. As a little girl, I find myself intrigued by the narrative of Esther's chosenness. Out of all the other women, she was specifically chosen by the king and chosen by the king because of her beauty. At that age, I did not understand the backdrop of the story. Due to time, I'm gonna share the backdrop in my own words, but please go back and read it. This is the updated version. So the story opens with King Xerxes, and he's throwing a big party for the kingdom to show off the splendor of his kingdom. And this wasn't like a one-day party, y'all. They were literally getting it in. The scripture says, for a full 180 days, they were straight partying. And yes, that includes drinking. It says, and I quote, by the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions. For the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. 
And so we also know for sure King Xerxes was not a Wesleyan. <laughs> well, anyways, in the context of this drunkenness, King Xerxes as his wife asks his wife, Queen Vashti, to come and entertain him and all his male guests. And he wants her to parade her beauty. And what does she do? She refuses. And what does her refusal cost her? The throne. And so this is the backdrop for which Esther, her Hebrew name, Hadassah, enters the story. So the king searches for the most beautiful woman in the land. In specific, the king searched for beautiful young virgins and then brought them in his custody. So let's be clear. Esther is taken into the palace with one job in mind, to please the king with her body and beauty. Some may say this even sounds like a situation of trafficking. As she enters the palace, Mordecai, Esther's cousin, who pretty much raised her because she had no parents around, instructs her to keep her nationality and family heritage a secret. In other words, Esther, I want you to remain hidden as you continue in the palace. Hide the very things that make you who you are. The ideal of hiddenness is so central to the plot the scholars say that both her names point to this theme. The name Esther relates to a Hebrew verb, to hide, while Hadassah, her Hebrew name, may be connected to the word for darkness. And so there she is, this Jewish orphan, now a Persian queen, completely hidden, yet fully seen. Esther is hidden in plain sight. Have you ever felt like that? Hidden in plain sight. You are there surrounded by people but completely invisible. There but misunderstood. There but quickly dismissed. There but full of self-doubt. There but feel inadequate. There but feel like an imposture. There but feel like you have to prove yourself. There but either part of you or all of you hidden? Have you ever felt hidden in plain sight? I want to ask the beautiful, brave queen, how does it feel? How does it feel knowing that when her predecessor, the courageous Queen Vashti, attempted to belong to herself, she was dethroned? Some scholars speculate that what the king was actually asking of her is to parade around naked with only her crown on. She refused to become eye candy and parade herself around a bunch of drunk men, and so what was a domestic matter became a national crisis. Queen Vashti dissed King Xerxes in front of all his homies in the entire kingdom. While no one really knows why she refused, we can speculate that her refusal was an attempt to belong to herself. And what for me, as a 21st century woman, would be applauded, for her, was an offense to an entire kingdom. For a woman to belong to herself during this time was a crime. Her noble attempt to belong to self was met with 
debasement, no longer worthy of queenship, and the sight of the nobles and officials no longer chosen. Oh yeah, the whole kingdom was in a frenzy. For if she fails to obey, what example might she give to the other women? If they see the queen do it, they might all try to do it. We cannot have that. We need to get these women in check. In this group-oriented society, woman belonging to self is outlawed. Queen Esther entered the palace knowing that belonging to herself could mean dethronement. Belonging to herself could mean life or death. And so as we continue to look at the story of Queen Esther, I want to be real clear. When we seek to belong to ourselves, sometimes you place yourself at great risk. There will be naysayers who say to belong to the self is out of place, that your duty and obligation is only to others, even at the expense of yourself. And some of those naysayers will be the very ones who should be looking out for your best interest. And here is Esther in this conundrum of belonging, a Persian queen completely hidden, yet fully seen, hidden in plain sight. And you too may be asking, how does one even begin to find themselves? What causes Esther to come out of hiding, to embrace her true identity before the king? Well, the story gets worse before it gets better. Yeah, the story gets even more messy. When Mordecai refuses to bow before Haman because of his commitment to God, when Haman discovers that Mordecai is a Jew, driven by anti-Semitism, he not only wants to kill Mordecai, but extinguish the entire Jewish people. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Will she remain hidden or will she come out? To belong to herself requires her to answer the question about who she will identify with in this critical moment, revealing and embracing her ethnic and religious identity is a major step in belonging to herself. And she wrestled with it. Esther 4.11 reads, Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days had passed since I was called to go to the king. To belong to self is costly. And let's read on. Esther 4.12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I wanna say something. Purpose pushes us toward belonging to self. And sometimes it is the community that pushes us to purpose. 
You see, the community will sometimes tell you truths that you can't tell yourself. And in taking heed to the voice of the community, you not only have a better sense of belonging to yourself, but you also engage in a self that is becoming because of the community. And so what happens? Esther could have responded in anger, but she doesn't. Her response was for the people to seek God on her behalf. So Esther 4.15, the Esther sent, to re sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, Esther needed Mordecai to remind her that she had to unveil who she was in order to save her people and ultimately to save herself. Belonging to herself alone was not enough. She had to belong to others for this plan to work. And belonging to the Jews, she was able to come out of hiding. And coming out of hiding, she was able to save her people from genocide. Why is this important for how we frame a Christian understanding of belonging to self? It's because belonging to self is always done in the context of community. We, long, we learn to belong to self as we belong to others. When we become isolated beings apart from commuting, communities, our version of belonging to self can easily become distorted. Belonging to self is always interdependent on belonging to others. If one does not belong to others, to counterbalance belonging to self, then belonging to self can easily be distorted into a me first, me at the center of my world obsession that leads to emptiness, greed, oppression, injustice, and devaluing of the very ones God created in his image. Belonging to self, though, does not negate our deep need to belong to something beyond the self. Esther shows us that it is possible to belong to oneself while at the same time belonging to something beyond the self. And I just want to share this quick story in conclusion um, as the time is running out. I just want to say I identify with Esther. Um, Esther was a minority, a Jew who lived in an alien culture. And the question I've often had to wrestle with is, what does it mean for me, a black woman who comes from a single-parent household in a poverty-stricken community, to matriculate all the way through gendered, class, and race-based boundaries? to gain access to what some has called the ivory tower. I felt like an imposter at times, inadequate, unintelligent, confused, living in worlds of abstract theories and returning to realities with flesh and blood bodies that call abstract theories into question. As I've had to work extra hard to overcome educational inequities that seem to be commiserate in poor communities, I've had to acquire new etiquette, new leisure activities, new vacation destinations, and learn how to code switch so that I can navigate the liminal space between having one foot in the academy and one in the community. You see, I identify with Esther and have often felt hidden in plain sight. But what I love about Esther is this is not about Esther being hidden in plain sight, but this is also about the providence of God working behind the scenes. It is clear that God is not hidden, but God's activity is seen through the human initiative of Esther. God is the ultimate source of belonging. 
and belonging to self in the Christian context leads to offering self back to God. Thank you.